Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glutton. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. Today, I speak to the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mark Bell. Mark is a world record-breaking power lifter. His motto is, if you're not getting better, then you're getting worse, so never be caught standing still. Mark Bell is a badass and one of the biggest inspirations I know. He owns the Super Training Gym, the strongest gym in the West, and hosts one of the top podcasts in the fitness area. You can follow Mark on Instagram at MarkSmellyBell or go to his website, MarkBell.com. Mark Bell, welcome to the American Glutton Podcast. Thank you, sir. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm just, uh, I'm out here in Bodega Bay and um, I got my, my whole family here and I didn't realize that there's uh, like kids have sprouted from every single person in my family apparently because <laughs> I got nieces and nephews and my own kids and everybody's all over the place. But you're not a grandparent yet, right? No. <laughs> Uh, no, not not yet. My oldest is uh, 16. 16, okay. I see my oldest is 24, so I literally go to bed every night going, is is this the last day of being a normal human? Am I going to be uh, notified that I'll be a grandparent tomorrow? <laughs> it can happen, huh? I mean, it... I mean, listen, I think uh, technically it could happen to you. I, I think yeah, it's, that's right. it's probably a little early, but yes, <laughs> it, could, it could happen. It could happen to both of us any day. But I think you got a little ways yet. I, it could happen to me any second I could be notified. <laughs> How's everything going for you? It's going good. Bodega Bay just straight out to the coast from you? Pretty much, yeah. 
Yeah, it's um, I don't know if you've heard of like Dylan's Beach or any of that kind of stuff, but yeah, it's kind of hard to describe where it is because people are always like, "Is that San Francisco?" And it's like, "No, not really." <laughs> is it? But it's its, it's own, own little community. Yeah, it's north. Yep, north of San Francisco. Yep. There's another bay up there where, that uh, is it. It's like half Half Moon Bay, and Moon bay. it's like not not too far from there. And, that's a beautiful area. Yeah, it's amazing. Is that your quarantine spot or is this just a vacation? Oh yeah, yeah, it's it's uh yeah, it's my quarantine. My my home away from home. That's awesome. That's a good that's a good spot to be in up there, you know. Oh yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I love it. Better than being stuck in the city. And uh so we quarantined which seemed to be both incredibly long and and blur by and then we pulled out of quarantine here for the most part and now it seems like we're back on quarantine are you guys doing the same routine as us yeah it's getting to be kind of confusing that the uh kind of knee-jerk reactions that we're seeing not really sure you know what what uh what flavor of the month the uh government is going to try to enforce upon us but you know i'm kind of a go with the flow kind of person i try not to you know i'm I'm just gonna do my own thing my own way and just uh not really put much thought into it just keep keep cruising along and keep trying to be positive yeah i see i see a lot on your social media of you spending a lot of time outdoors like doing hikes and stuff like that that's great yeah i just shift gears you know um i you know, luckily for me, uh, I've um, I've found a lot of like peace and happiness from even just I don't know, just figuring out a way to get away from the things I was super attached to. You know, just lo- losing some of that attachment to things I think is um, is really valuable, and I, I would encourage other people to to find to find more stuff that they like, so that, that way they have more options. And same thing with your diet you know, find, find more options, you know, don't, don't be afraid to, to try some new things, try some different things because, um, you're going to have different points in your life where you just, you know, maybe for a while you feel like eating cookies. So maybe you can do uh, a diet that is, uh, if it fits your macros for a little while, and then maybe you have another time where you just love steak and you want to go on a carnivore diet or you want to go on a keto diet. I think the same is true with your fitness. If, if you know how to do some CrossFit movements, um, that could be massive. If you know how to do CrossFit movements, you would be fine during this quarantine because you could be huddled up in your house and you could be doing uh, burpees back and forth with some sort of dumbbell complex and you could still be getting jacked and tan. So yeah, I think uh, it's really, it's, it's just, I think it's massively important. And even just from a, just from a psychological just a, just a regular kind of psychological standpoint, I think it's important. Well, I wonder if that's, I, I, I think that's so valuable because for, for me personally, the thing that is the most disruptive to anything I'm trying to achieve is uh, messing with my schedule. Like if, if I can just be monotonous in my schedule and do the same thing every day, I don't have trouble, but the weekend could screw it up or a holiday could screw it up or a kid for whatever reason, homesick for a day could screw it up. So I think already if like to what you're saying, if you're entering 
the game with the idea that you're going to disrupt it occasionally or have the ability to disrupt it, then the disruption isn't actually a disruption. Yeah, there's a great quote that I love uh, from some from a great person in a great movie. And he says, uh, you must train yourself to let go of everything you fear to lose. And that's uh, we, we both know him really well. He's he's a good friend of ours. That's our boy Yoda. Yeah, I I really love that quote, though. I think it's important that you, you know, not to be, uh, I don't know, too morbid, but you have to recognize that every single thing in your life um, isn't permanent, unfortunately, Um, all the way from the family dog, all the way through to your children, all the way through to your parents, especially your parents. You know, a lot of people have older folks at the moment and there is a virus going around and the virus could be part of, uh, you know, what takes them out. And I, I, I don't want to sit around and, and be sad, but at the same time, I think it's a good idea to think about, yeah, what would things look like if, if they weren't here any longer? And maybe I should talk to them about that because they're getting older and, you know, maybe they're, you know, maybe they want to be out and maybe they're not being, uh, as cautious as, as maybe they should be. And so why not? you know, have some, I know those conversations aren't easy, but it's easier to have the conversation now than to try to think of the what ifs when they're gone. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot easier. It's, yeah, I think, I think that if you, if you, because I think, I think a lot can be resolved. Um, I think even like real world, tangible, literal things can be resolved just by examining them mentally. And, and right. so if we attack something mentally from as many angles as we could possibly get at it from, I think we can, we can do away with a lot of the connotations that kind of affix us in place as having to have this rigid perspective on something. I think you did one of the hardest things like you, you, um, you removed yourself from your former self, which I don't know how that feels to you, but, um, that's a tough thing. Like you didn't just, in my opinion, you didn't just lose weight when you lose that amount of weight. Um, when you lose that amount of weight, it's, it's, uh, it's life altering, you know, it's almost, it wouldn't be all that much different if you went from being a drug addict to being a really successful actor. I would kind of think the same thing. Wow. He really like, he truly, I I massively saw a, a huge change. He was addicted to this, this thing here. And he somehow took some of that energy that he had for uh, these drugs or had this energy. He had to do these other things that weren't great for him. And he all of a sudden switched it all into all this stuff. And I think that that's, I think that's a wonderful thing, but where I see people fall into a trap is again with that schedule and that routine. And and I think, you know what I'm talking about with you were probably at some point so meticulous the other way. Um, I actually saw two people walk past me yesterday. One person was really heavy and the next person that walked by was really, really thin. And, and in both cases, it was a, it was an example of, uh, like just malnutrition in, in some sense, because the person that was heavy is probably unhealthy because they're still, even though they're the foods that they're, well, the foods that they're choosing don't have the nutrients in them. And the other person that walked by was kind of just skin and bones and, and they kind of had the same thing going on. It's just, uh, they didn't eat enough. And I just, it, it just hit me for some reason in that moment of them walking past, but I was like, 
wow, you know, if they could, you know, communicate and uh, meet each other halfway, uh, then they would be kind of right where they need to be. How, how were you able to make that? Like, I mean, that's a real, that's a massive change. It, yeah. I mean, it was a massive change in the, I was thinking about this this morning. It's so wild. Um, you know, I did, I, did, I went from five, you know, I, I know I was above 536, but that's the, the, the figure I saw on a scale. The, the last time I had a freight scale to, to hand and I got on it because they didn't have scales that went that high. So I saw this figure. I know I gained weight from there. And so from whatever I was, I went down to about 3.30 and I did a movie at 3.30. And in the movie, the movie is called uh, Without a Paddle, which is actually a pretty fun movie. Um, I play this like crazy pot growing redneck and uh, <laughs> chasing <laughs> – you know, Dak Shepard and Seth Green and Matthew Willard around the forest because they stumble upon it. And um, me and Abraham Ben Ruby are brothers. I I remember at 3.30, I'm running around shooting machine guns and I actually felt great. Um, compa- you know, compared to I feel quite a bit better now than I did at 3.30. But I still retained some portion of the identity of being a big guy now from there i dropped down to 220 and even below 220 i was in the i I probably got to about 210 at one point and at that size i was really really real thin and which is hard to imagine because 220 is still a lot of weight or or 210 that's still i'm still would be considered a big guy but um I had like a weird identity crisis where I didn't know who I was and I I was super uncomfortable and so when I when I decided to put on weight you know I this was prior to me having any real understanding of of the way food worked I knew that if I wanted to lose weight I had to restrict food and move my body and I could lose weight and I could lose weight pretty quickly. And then my idea was just like, well, I'm going to get bigger. I'm going to lift weights and eat whatever I want. And I got back up to 400 pounds. And so I did this like kind of ping pong of like trying to figure out who I was and what, where I was comfortable and now I'm at 260 and I'm pretty comfortable. I want to get to 250 and have the, you know, it'll be like the the last 40 pounds that I lose will be entirely fat, which is exciting to not lose lean tissue and not just be like this kind of dehydration thing that I did for a long time. And uh, I'm, I'm really comfortable now. So it is it is for sure a mental exercise. And and you're 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 damn right that the uh, the amount of diligence to maintaining a schedule for drugs or food or whatever it is, is exactly the same amount of energy that you put into the other way. Yeah. And I think you need to also be uh, careful of that. You know, I used to have a 4am workout crew um, and we, you know, we hit it up probably four or five days a week. Um, And those guys, you know, they, they, they loved it, but at the same time, they really needed it. And for me, just because of uh, like training, it, tra- training is part of my identity. I mean, literally, 
some sort of training in some sense is, is attached to me. Like I, I enjoy it, whatever the mechanisms are that whatever the chemicals released, uh, that happen when you do some training, whether it be, uh, you know, doing a good trail walk or going for a walk run or lifting or any strenuous thing. Uh, there's something in there that for me has always enjoyed, uh, not just the physicality of it, but that point where you're like, Oh crap, like this is getting to be tough. There's, there's something inside me that, that really, um, seeks that out. And I, it's probably just because I've been, you know, delivering that message to myself since I was young, but for me, you know, we stopped the, a lot of the 4 a.m. workouts. I was trying to get my sleep intact and trying to figure out some of that because I've always had a tough time with my sleep. And I told the guys, I was like, oh, you know, I can't do the 4 a.m. stuff anymore. And they just completely fell off for a while, you know, and they, they stopped training. And for, you know, I just felt bad because I was like, shit, man, they need that because it has to be a militant setup for them. And I see the same thing happen with food sometimes where someone's like, you know, they want to bring their scale to a restaurant or they have Tupperware or, and I, I get it. I understand like they need the, um, they have to really safeguard themselves. You know, when you have a child, you have to child proof your home. And I think that these people are thinking every environment I go to has to be like fat guy proofed. I, I need to really make sure that the environment doesn't harm me. So because of that, I'm going to carry my Tupperware. I'm going to, you know, have my scale. And I, I, again, I think it's, it's fine for certain parts of your life. If you are really trying to make a change, I think it's important that you probably communicate with the people around you and say, listen, uh, you might think I'm weird, but I'm about to whip, whip out some tilapia. Uh, but I really just, you know, you've seen me before I was super heavy. I'm really trying to make a change and, and so, you know, kind of here I go type of thing. That way you don't have to worry as much about the the ridicule. But, man, it's hard to really truly change who you are because you're – so much of this has to do with your interest level. Like you at some point were more interested in being in better shape than you were continuing onward being as, as big as you were. And that level of interest has carried on. Like, look at how long it's carried on for. You're still interested in it and you're interested in it every single day. So somebody that's listening to this right now can go from watching SpongeBob SquarePants every day to all of a sudden listening to Neil deGrasse Tyson, who's like an astrophysicist uh, the next day. But they probably won't be that interested in listening to Neil deGrasse Tyson. They probably are more interested in the the SpongeBob dialogue. So they'll, they'll eventually your interest level will wear out unless it's, it has to be real and it can't just be, it can't just be set up because it's tough. Cause sometimes that's a good way to doing it. Like, Hey man, we're going to go on a, you know, starting on Monday, we're, we're going all in on this diet and we're going to be doing, you know, five mile walks every day. Right. I see a lot of people setting up that standard for themselves and then failing quote unquote failing and then considering themselves a failure after they uh, after they had a tough time hanging on to it. But just understand, it's all wrapped into your interests. So my suggestion is give yourself little small doses of stuff. Give yourself stuff that when I say, Ethan, I want you to go outside today and I want you to walk by uh, 
I want you to, I want you to walk to the uh, closest stop sign or the closest street sign. And you're like, that's freaking easy. The, the closest stop sign or closest street sign is like, you know, I, I want you to say that because the next day I'd like you to pick a different sign to walk to or a different street to walk to or walk by a different home and, and, and get a little bit further. Maybe you walk five minutes, maybe the next day you walk 10 minutes and so forth. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Listen, I think about things like Nassim Taleb wrote this book, Anti-Fragile, and he, oh, ta- yeah. he talks about how y- you can be so rigid on something that you actually become more fragile. Like when I, I've, I've taken food scales to restaurants and, but I also recognize like, this is not the way I'm going to live my life. This is for a very short period of time. Ah, I like that. I'm going to order my steamed fish and I'm going to weigh it because who knows what their portions are. I might need to order a second one. I might need to cut the one they give me in half. You know what I mean? Like, but for today, I'm really, really strict. Now, I I think, I think what, what you're saying is like, that's not sustainable long-term. Right. Because the more rigid we are with something, the the more fragile it is. Like if you're living your life that way and you mess up one day, it could destroy the whole thing versus building up and creating a life around it. Walking to the stop sign doesn't seem hard. And then you build up, you could build, you could work on that and build up to the point of running a marathon. That could be your right. starting point. And, and, um, like for instance on this uh this lockdown period i literally ran a quarantine cycle of i mean a, a maintenance cycle i just mm-hmm. went like uh you know i'm not going to be trying to lose weight on this i'm just going to maintain and i did and it was fine and it, it was a lot easier to get through than without having a gym access to a gym you know yeah, the uh, psychology of stuff plays into it so massively. I mean, you mentioned earlier how you didn't feel any different and you lost 200 pounds. Um, that is not uncommon. That that happens uh, even with people that get plastic surgery. They don't, um, you know, maybe they get their, maybe they get a facelift and they don't have the same uh, lines in their face or maybe they were real self-conscious and felt like they had a, a big nose or big ears or whatever. They, they don't really see the improvement. Everyone else sees that there was a change. Um, but they, they don't even really recognize it because they have that wiring in their brain. They have a map in their brain of what they are, who they are to everybody else. And that kind of stuff is really hard, really hard to tackle, really hard to take down. So somewhere in your psyche and in in your history, and same with mine, because I lost a hundred pounds myself, there was a a desire to just say, you know what, we need to kill this motherfucker. Like we need to kill this guy. Like this fat guy that was in here, this guy that loves peanut butter cups and loves ice cream and pizza. The only way that we're ever going to get to the other side is if, if that guy is dead. And I think now we understand that it doesn't have to be like an all out war against yourself, that it doesn't have to be an all out struggle. Um, you can just have, you can have some simple compromises because 
in the long run, you're not all that much different. Like not everything about you is different. Your outward appearance is different. Some of your interests have changed. Um, some of your mission has changed because now you want to help people uh, that were in, uh, you know, in a similar situation. But to your parents and stuff like that, and the people that have known you f- for a really long time, you're fairly similar. You know, you've you've grown into some of these new new things that you uh, identify yourself with, but you're like literally the kind of the same person. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I I. I... I think about building new habits and building habits that lead me towards something that, that, that is more of a goal versus just habits that I've fallen into out of laziness or whatever. And, and, and I think about like the, the change that I've created in in myself being a foundational change that leads me to, uh, more of an outward kind of appearance change does that make sense yeah absolutely i'm trying to uh improve myself all the time you know my my main hang up for me um i didn't really have much issue with my body i i when i was young i got pretty heavy but i wasn't like heavy heavy i wasn't you know uh obese i was heavy because i played football and i wanted to be big so I was like big and fat kind of thing. And that was for a short period of time. And I was already into exercise. So uh, that wasn't hard to really fix. And then when I went up to 330, it was kind of the same thing. I was just big and fat for powerlifting. You know, I packed on a lot of weight to lift a lot of big weights. I squatted 1,080. I benched 854. And I was just on this mission to, <laughs> to lift as much weight as I possibly could, regardless of... Uh, health concerns or regardless of, of size. So it was like functional fat, I guess you would call it. Um, but I had to tackle my, my own, um, my own mindset towards myself in a different way. And that was the mental side for me. You know, I, when I was about 11 or 12, um, I was diagnosed with having some learning disabilities. I was dyslexic. Um, I would just like, I don't know, I'd be in the middle of writing and then all of a sudden, you know, writing letters. And then all of a sudden there would be like a number thrown in there for, for whatever reason. And the teachers would be like, why is there like a four, like in the middle? And I'm like, oh, I think that's supposed to be an H, you know? And then there'd be like a six somewhere. And I'm like, oh, I think it's supposed to be like a G or something. I'm like, I don't, like, I don't really know. I don't have a lot of good excuses on, you know, where some of this is coming from, but I don't know if it was attention deficit disorder or or what it was, but I had a tough time. And then because of that and the type of school that I was in at the time was just a public school. And I don't think they knew what to do with me. They threw me in special ed classes with a lot of other kids that had like, um, they had a lot of, uh, problems with learning. Um, some of them were in like wheelchairs and some, you know, they just really, uh, they, they really struggled in school and they needed a lot of special attention. And I needed some attention. I just maybe worked uh, slower than a lot of the other kids, especially when it came to like math, reading comprehension and things like that. So I just needed like some uh, TLC. I just needed like a little extra, a little extra boost. But meanwhile, these other children, unfortunately, they needed, they really needed someone to guide them through every single step of the way. And so 
you know, I, I kind of bought into the fact that I was, uh, dumb. You know, I bought in the fact that I was slow and I, I used it as a crutch. I used it as an excuse, just as I'm sure sometimes the big guy uses it as an excuse to eat too much because you're the big guy in the group. They all finish your plate and everyone kind of laughs and you just think like, all right, I'm the big guy. So the big guy is going to be the big, fat, funny guy, right? Like, and so I think I kind of took on this, uh, persona of, um, I'm, you know, I might not be great in school, but I can be physical and I'm going to be good at football and I'm going to be good, uh, in the weight room, you know, when it came to these other things I'm going to have. Uh, so I'm, I'm the big dumb jock, you know, and I took that, um, I took that moniker on and I didn't, I didn't realize that I took that on. I didn't realize that I signed up for that. I I didn't understand that I was basically agreeing to that. And I was going with the flow. I didn't really know because I was just a kid. So I didn't, uh, I just didn't understand that I was like kind of buying into it because I I put my hands up and I was like, yeah, you know what? They're right. I can't really learn. Um, I can't learn like the other kids. And so I was scared to try to do anything. I I didn't want to get a job. You know, I didn't want to be like a cashier because I was like, I don't, I think I'm going to fail at that. Like, I'm not going to be any good at that. I can only do stuff that's physical. So like, you know, a 16 year old kid, like you can't, you can't really, or 18 year old kid, you're not gonna be able to get a job, um, doing much physically other than maybe like some, uh, construction or something like that. So I, I would just, and even that, I thought I would just mess it up because I'm like, I don't know how to measure stuff and I don't know how to do this or that. And just a lot of negative, uh, negative self-talk. And luckily for me, um, I have two amazing parents. So, that never slid downhill far enough uh, for me to end up depressed or super sad about uh, some of my shortcomings. And it wasn't until I was much, much older and I started making some changes in my appearance, started making some changes in my body through nutrition, through the training, started to make some really massive improvements in terms of like what I could lift. And I just, I don't know when it clicked, but at some point I was like, wow, if I can, you know, I, I remember starting this journey. I didn't start out deadlifting over 700 pounds. I think I, you know, started deadlifting 225. And I'm like, if I could start from 225 to being able to deadlift over 700 pounds and people think that's remarkable, I kind of wonder if I can just take some of those same principles because all it really was is a high level of interest. I just was super interested in lifting and that's where I spent my time. I'm like, I just wonder if I did something similar with, uh, my mind, you know, with my brain. I wonder if, I wonder, I wonder if some of the things that I thought previously about myself were just a misunderstanding and, uh, ultimately, ultimately they, they have been, I still have a tough time with certain things like, like reading is, is pretty tough for me. Um, but I just, uh, I just go around it. I listen to a lot of stuff on YouTube. So somebody may mention, you mentioned anti-fragile. I'll just look that up on YouTube. I'll type that in. And of course, the person that wrote anti-fragile probably has a YouTube uh, TED Talk. Yeah. And I'll listen to that. And I sit down like it's homework sometimes. And I, you know, I'll, I'll, it's kind of funny because I'll stuff myself into the classroom. Uh, That was like the main thing that I feared when I was a kid. I hated being in school. And I'll do that now. I'll have headphones on. I'll really listen to it. Sometimes I'll listen to it casually on a walk 
just for the kind of the heck of it or whatever. But a lot of times I'll, I'll sit down and try to be meticulous with it and, and really try to learn some stuff from it and really take some notes. So I think a lot of people listening right now, I think it's important that you understand that you can make a lot of changes to yourself. You don't have to be like whatever you are now doesn't have to be a life sentence and, and whatever anybody's telling you or whatever you bought about yourself, you know, you have a stepfather who's telling you you're a loser or you're never going to make it or whatever some of these things are, you might buy into some of that for a little bit, but just understand that that doesn't have to be the way that the rest of your life shakes out. Yeah. And, and, and just listening to your, you talk about your experiences. I, I, I go like, I think that, that, that rigid compliance to, you know, what we're told by the government, like, and I'm talking specifically about like food pyramids and education right. and, and like, you must go to school in this manner. You must learn these things. These are important things. Look, I left school at 14. I was a terrible student. I don't have trouble reading. I like reading a lot. So, but I, it has had, I, you know, in fairness, I wish I'd gone to college just because I think there's a ton of stuff that I'm interested in that I missed out on learning. But, but at the same time, my life has not lacked because of my education. I was able to figure out nutrition to the degree that I need to understand it on my own. Um, and, and when I look around the, even if, if I just choose like my group of friends, the majority of them didn't go to college. And I'm talking about like business owners and, uh, and artists and actors and, and, um, musicians, like all walks of life. So, so yeah, I get like, you need, if you want to be a doctor, you got to go to school. There's like a pretty rigid format that I think is fairly necessary. Like if you're going to be doing surgery, there's certain things that I think you got to know how to do by the book. But otherwise, if we look at these, like all kids should learn in this fashion and this is what nutrition is. And if you comply to this, I think at the end of the day, you start to look around the landscape of America and go like, I just don't buy it. I just don't buy it. I don't think yeah. this universal fit fits everyone the same way. Well, they used to um, hang college over kids' heads, you know, and I have a lot of discussions with my own family. Um, you know, I had to kind of break my wife down uh, on that topic because she was telling my son, like, oh, you need good grades to get into college. And I said, that's not why he needs good grades. Like, let's not. Let's not hang that over his head. Let's just eat, like, let's just even entertain the fact that, like, he just might not care to go to college. It might not be something that he finds interesting. And there's no reason for to force it because he'll just go and he'll, like, party and he won't care about school. And so, like, let's, if he's interested in it, then that's a different topic. Then, then we would have to say, yes, if you would like to go to that school, there's a grade requirement to get into that particular school to get into the particular thing that you want to get into. Yeah. There's like a kind of like a, almost like a game you got to play. Like you can't be an actor without, you got to learn how to act somehow. And maybe you didn't have standard classes from the best acting coach in the world, but you probably have acted out something in your life or you've been someone who's been a little carefree that has not been shy in front of a camera. There's, there's something from somewhere. 
And I think that's an important thing for people to understand is that you don't really need to, you don't necessarily need school, but you do need to be educated and you have to figure out a way to almost every single person I know, I'm, I'm trying to browse through my head here and think, I would say it's true across the board. Every single person I know that's um, that's in a position that other people would love to be in, they are all material experts. They might not be the material expert because they might be really good socially as well. That's a ma- major factor in the, in the game of life as well. Um, but they're kind of a material expert in a, in a specific, in a specific thing, you know? So that's the kind of thing, that's the kind of thing you want to look at is like, you know, there's kind of like an intersection too, between uh, what you love to do, um, what people may possibly uh, pay you for, um, and, and also like what kind of value can you provide? You know, you, you look at those three things and if you think about them as being like, uh, rings, like Olympic rings, um, they can have some intersection and you can kind of find your, uh, your, you can find your, you can find your sweet spot for that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you're, you're a huge ambassador for this dude. You, 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 you're an artist, you're an athlete, you run businesses, like, you're a badass. So the idea that like, that like, you know, you were a bad student. And so you had to just be an athlete. I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad you went that route because then we have you to motivate us to do things that we shouldn't be able to do physically, you know? So I'm, I'm like, uh, very thankful and grateful that, that, that your path led you to that. But if I think about you like in totality and, and, and like, I'm not even taking your family into consideration here because that's a completely separate thing. But like you wear a lot of hats. You, you're a very <laughs> able dude. Yeah. I got my foot in the door through, through lifting heavy weights. And, and um, I should also mention that by becoming a material expert in lifting, um, that just gave me so much confidence. And the second that that changed my life forever, the second that I opened my mouth and felt like I had something to communicate out to other people that forever changed the dialogue in my head that I was dumb. That made me understand like, look, man, you're spitting out knowledge about, about lifting that. Yes, I am kind of, I did kind of start out with a little bit of a copycat mentality in the beginning of sharing information from like Dave Tate and Louis Simmons and, and some of these uh, great powerlifting icons, but that's where everyone start. Everyone starts out with a little bit of imitation in the beginning. And, but as I progressed and as I communicated more and more, I recognized how much of my own thoughts and how much of my own opinion. And when I, you know, got myself to be able to squat, you know, 800 pounds, then it was, you know, I utilized some standard methods that were utilized by Westside Barbell, dynamic effort, speed training, just basically trying to uh, teach yourself to be very, very explosive with submaximal weights. And then in addition to that, on um, another day a week, we would we would just lift as heavy as you possibly could with uh, some variations of squats, variations of bench, variations of deadlift. As I started to get to that, you know, 800 pound mark, 
I started to get stuck and I, I knew that the only thing that's going to get me to the next level is just more knowledge. I can't, I can no longer look in this book. I can no longer read this magazine. I, I, I can't just find information in here. I need real world knowledge on what's going to get me to the next level. And a lot of that was like, let me just rub elbows with some of the best. Let me communicate with people that are in my field. Let me, um, let me go to powerlifting meets. Let me just, you know, and, and, you know, flying places and going places that I couldn't really afford, um, just making do with what I had and, and trying to just learn in like whatever way I could, like where, where can I sneak in another advantage? Like, even if I, even if I'm reading this book and reading sucks for me and it's tough, um, I know that if I play the long game that I'm going to find a gem in this book and it's going to be the damn thing that gets me to the next level. And I find myself doing the same thing today. I'll listen to somebody on YouTube or listen to a podcast. I'll be like, man, I just, some of this is too boring. Like I just, this is killing me. But just like sitting in a classroom where I would kind of squirm around, I'm like, no, like, dude, keep listening to it because there's going to, something's coming. Like just stay, just hang in there, stay with it. And I, I was listening to some stuff the other day. Um, this guy wrote a book called Complex PTSD. And I was listening to some, his name is Peter Walker. Uh, I was listening to some stuff from him and I, I, I've never had, uh, I was never abused as a child or anything. So I was almost like, why the, why am I even listening to any of this? But I help a lot of people. I help a lot of people. And so I'm like, how do I continue to gain more knowledge to help people? Well, people are depressed. People have anxiety. Then I heard a stat the other day that one out of every five boys are molested and one out of every three girls are molested. And people just have a lot of tremendous, people are just walk around with tremendous amounts of weight on their shoulders every single day. So I'm listening to this and, you know, a couple things hit me in it. And then I run into a friend of mine um, who's been abused since the time he was a kid. And he said, Hey man, he goes, remember that video that we did a while back where I opened up and talked about how I was abused as a kid. I was like, yeah, I remember that. He's like, dude, that's changed everything for me and my dad. I was like, wow. Like really? I'm like, I was just reading about, I was just listening to someone, you know, talking about being abused as a child. And, and then he was like, well, what'd they say? And so then I like relayed some other messages to him. And I said, I said, I know this will be like nearly impossible for you to do, but now that you are talking to your dad, you should. And I, I was like, dude, I, I've never been in your situation. So, uh, please don't take any offense to me giving you advice in an area that I've never been in. But what the guy said was that you should tell your dad that you love him. And he's like, Ooh, He's like, that's going to be, you know, that's going to be tough. Anyway, this kid, you know, he was been telling his dad uh, that he loves him every time he, you know, every time they talk. And finally he kind of broke, broke through to his dad and his dad told him that he loved him back. And his dad says it now every time they, every time they got on the phone, but it's like, man, if, if I didn't hang in there and listen to that, I wouldn't have been able to get that information to be able to communicate that out to somebody else. And that's what I'm trying to do, man. It's just, I'm trying to, I'm trying to search the world for these nuggets to, uh, continue to help people, motivate people, inspire them, help them, uh, you know, get out of bed every day to be excited. Yeah. And, and you do, I mean, you were a huge influence on me 
Um, and that, and, and just the amount of respect I have for what you do, you run a, a free gym. Like that's insane. I went, I didn't even understand that it was free and open to the public. And I just thought like, God, he has this whole place to himself. And no, lo and behold, anybody can turn up and work out. It's, it's, ins- it's, it's like insane. You are a true good Samaritan. Yeah. I try to be the best, like, you know, the best I can. I, again, I, I have to, uh, you know, give some, uh, credence to my parents. You know, they, they were, you know, they were just instrumental in, in, uh, you know, making me understand, you know, the value of putting other people before yourself. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, my parents were, are very religious and they were big into the church and we'd have people show up, you know, at our house, you know, not every day, but a couple times a week, maybe. And they'd show up right around five, five thirty PM. And my mother's name is Rosemary. So they would be like, Oh my God, Rosemary, Oh, you're cooking. Like, no, I can't stay. I can't impose. But like, meanwhile, they were kind of like looking for a meal. So <laughs> they were always invited into the home. And, and when they left, my parents would be like, man, that guy's a pain in the ass, you know? And, and they, they, they didn't really like, uh, love the fact that he showed up at five, five thirty. Uh, however, they weren't going to turn him away. You know, they knew they, they just understood the value. Like, Hey, we have a little extra, you know what I mean? Like, what's it to us? What's the big deal? Yeah. It interrupts our family dinner a little bit, but this is important. And it just kind of showed me, uh, from the time I was young, like, yeah, man, just give, give somebody some time, give some, give people some time, you know, just, just give it to them. You know, I'm sure when people meet you, they're probably flipping out. They're probably like, man, you're a big time actor. Like, I'm, why do you, why are you making time for me? And you're like, this is nothing, man. I, this is what I love to do. I'm, you know, I, maybe you're not, you know, maybe somebody's not an actor to be, you know, uh, somebody to try to take pictures of them while they're in the bathroom or something like that. But you, you, you take on the responsibility of being popular and being famous. It just goes along with the whole, I'm sure you've seen some of your friends too, that are real, uh, A-listers and stuff where you're like, man, man, they really handle it really, really well. And you see other people where you're like, eh, that's not probably the best way to handle it, you know? Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You, me, I think we become ambassadors. And I think that for some people, we are the only connection or we could be, and we will be the only connection to this entire world, you know, that that person's going to ever interact with. And so I, you know, listen, it's, it's a little bit, I could imagine that if you're at a powerlifting meet, (laughs) you know, getting ready to go out and do lifts, you're going to take the time with somebody who wants a selfie with you, it's going to be a little bit different than if you bump into them randomly on the sidewalk in Des Moines, you know? <laughs> right. And so for me in Hollywood, I walk around as though I don't exist here. So it's like, you know, <laughs> you want to find an actor to shake hands with. You don't, you don't need me. Just walk around for five more minutes. You're going to bump into somebody who's pro- <laughs> probably going to impress you a little bit more than me. But, but like, I, I don't know that that's true for you. You are at the tippy tippy top of the mountain peak for what you do. And, 
And I, so I think like, as far as your ambassadorship, like I look at some, I know some, you know, very, very successful actors and I don't fault them for like, if, if they stopped and took pictures or greeted effusively every single person who wanted to have some interaction with them, that's all they do. They would do nothing else. So, so it's kind of unrealistic, but then they will, uh, occasionally be very ingratiating. And I think that, um, but I think your whole philosophy is a little bit different. I think you are acting as an ambassador. That's my perception of you at least. And you are very open and very interested in helping people and showing people. I I, got to ask you what strength means to you because you're one of the strongest people I know. And I just want to know what kind of value you put on that. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. You know, uh, a decade ago when I was hitting those big lifts, um, I, I would have been really attached to you know, telling you about the weights that people lift and stuff. But to me, strength is the ability to, um, strength is the ability to still shift gears and still go harder, stronger, faster. Um, even in the face of like a lot of stress or even in the face of, uh, some fear, like I I kind of, I kind of like the idea of, you know, if you were, if you can picture like, that you're, uh, I don't know, you're like, you're, you're running through like a maze or something and people just keep hopping on your back and you keep running into these obstacles, but you just continue to, you continue to find your way through the maze, but not only find your way through the maze, you're also, you know, lugging all these other people with you, taking them along for the ride. And I think that's, to me, that's what strength is about. It's about being able to overcome like there's so many stresses of life that literally feel like someone's jumping on your back while you're going up the steepest hill you can think of and um i I think that that is is true strength you know i i I share with people i share this often with people like some of the strongest things i've seen um they're, they're not they don't have anything to necessarily do with a weight that somebody lifted although there have been some impressive feats that i've seen uh, or the story behind the feat of strength 
that the you know the the story that got the person to that platform on that particular day uh, is a massive feat of strength in itself. Like my friend, <clears throat> my good friend Jesse Burdick, he's got twin girls. We're actually going to hang out uh, today, and um, you know he he had to as a single father. You know he had to he raised these two. Um, pretty, pretty much on his own and to see that level of strength, but then also to see him, you know, going through some tough times, he went through a divorce. Um, he and I got in some conversation one day on the phone and I recognized, you know, just how sad and depressed he was. And, and, uh, you know, I was just like, you know what, man, like there's going to be a day where everything worked out really well. And you're going to be sharing your experience with somebody else. You're going to be helping somebody. You're going to be picking somebody up uh, off the ground. And you're going to be, you know, sharing information with them that's going to help them out of the same exact position that you're in, out of the very spot that you're in. And we started kind of talking back and forth and we were kind of game planning for um, how to kind of pull him out of the hole that he was in at the moment. I said, hey, let's get you on a, let's get you on a power thing platform because he's a power lifter as well. He was like, what? He's like, dude, he's like, I can like, he's like, I have zero strength. I can't eat anything. And I was like, well, what do you weigh? And Jesse's normally like around 300 pounds. He's like, man, he's like, I'm 250, 260 if I'm lucky. I was like, well, let's get you down to the, because there's different weight classes in powerlifting. I was like, you'll never have this opportunity again. I said, let's get you down to the 242 weight class and see what you can lift there. And just kind of like a robot, he was like, sure, let's try it. You know, he, he didn't, he didn't really have a lot of interest in it. But anyway, through that year, he competed at 242. He also competed at 220. He got elite, he got elite totals in both of those. And as he came down for those weight classes, once he did the 220 weight class, I, I wanted to have a plan for him, you know, right, right after that. And we knew he's like six, two or so. I was like, he there, he can't make it down in the next weight class. So I wanted to throw something else at him. I said, Hey, let's go back up to heavyweight. <laughs> and, you know, he, at that time he was feeling better. So now he could, you know, uh, take advantage of that and he could eat up. So he got himself up over 300 pounds again. And within the same year, he totaled elite at 242, 220, um, 308 weight class and I think the 275 weight class. He nailed all these totals. He kind of set some new goals. He had a new mission and he wasn't so focused on like, woe is me. I'm a single dad. How am I going to make this work? He preoccupied his mind with some other things. And yes, it did make it harder because now there's a time commitment to the gym. Now there's a time commitment to, uh, this amount of exercise, but he and I talked about it very openly. We're like, dude, if you don't have the ability to go in there and do some stuff for yourself about an hour and a half or two hours every day, you're going to fold up and you're not going to be able to even be there at all for your kids. And, and we need you to be there. So to me, like that's where you see life. Like the, I, I love that kind of stuff. Like, I'm, I'm getting fired up just thinking about it or the strength that you had to be brave enough to, to, to change your life from being, um, you know, nearly 550 pounds to, to where you are now. I, the, those are the stories that I, I ran into somebody here in Bodega Bay. I was, there's a lot of hills out here and, uh, I was doing some hill sprints and somebody stopped me and they said, they said, man, you're in, you're in great shape. We got in some conversation and the woman told me she'd lost a hundred pounds. 
I was like, boom, nailed her with a high five, you know, and probably nearly took her arm off because I was so fired up and excited. And I was like, I was like, that is, that is amazing. You know, and we had some good conversation. And I think a lot of times some of the people that, you know, maybe don't have the look or some of the people that aren't in the gym and they're not capable of, you know, benching 400 pounds, or I think a lot of times they don't think they're remarkable, but I, I disagree. I think anyone that can make advancements, anyone that can make changes to me, that's, a that's, that's the strongest thing anyone can ever do is to leave, leave their old self in the rear view mirror. To me, that's, that's some true strength. I totally agree. And I get, I feel personally much more fired up in the gym when I see somebody new walk in and I'm like, Oh my God, the, the journey, the potential that this, like hearing you talk about this dude who, who, who nailed four weight classes in a year and was elite right. level powerlifting in four. That to me is so much more impressive than just being elite level at 308. You know what I mean? Like, and that's pretty damn impressive too. But yeah, like, and we didn't even talk about like what weight he lifted, you know? And it's, it's at that point, it's irrelevant. It's the yeah. fact that he went, he went and he did it, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't care what he lifted, just competing <laughs> right. all, all, yeah. all over that. Like, you know, I see, I'm in the gym every day when, you know, when I can be and, and I see really strong people and I think strength is impressive. And I'm always impressed when somebody's in there who's strong i think strength impresses me because i know that it's it's something that's earned right right but it takes time it takes time it takes it takes dedication it takes effort when i see somebody new walk in or somebody that that has has done has done a change i'm i get so excited for their potential oh man i get it's, fired up thinking about it too I can't yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's it's amazing. I you know I was uh, at Super Training just two three days ago, and there was a guy that walked in, and uh, he was excited to train. He was excited to meet me. We took a picture together, and I said, "How old are you?" And he said, "I'm 65." And I said, "When did you start powerlifting?" He's like, "I started last year." <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's like, damn man, like that is so. I, I don't think people maybe know that you can you can powerlift and you can bodybuild forever. You can you can do that stuff until the day you die. The only the only restriction is just the amount of weight that you can move. You know, as you get older, your joints might be a little compromised and you might have some pain. So you don't wanna you know, you don't wanna do stuff that's extremely painful. You you want the experience to be to be good, you know. Um so you wanna be a little cautious with it. But for the most part, the way that I lift now is the same as I lifted you know, five years ago and 10 years ago, I just lift less weight. And again, I, I learned to sever ties with the attachment that I had, you know, for, I, I never thought it was like badass to bench five plates necessarily. You know, I, I think, I think that that's an important thing for me to mention. I, I, I did recognize that that was something that a lot of lifters did a lot of, you know, really strong power lifters did. And I thought it was badass myself. I thought it was cool to do it. I thought it was, um, <clears throat> it's interesting. I thought it was exciting. I thought it was a sign that you're consistent for a long time. But beyond that, it's not really, it's not really, um, 
it's not really any different than if somebody, your friend that runs uh, five miles every day, you know, told you that he ran six today. You know what I mean? Like it's, you, you wouldn't be like, Oh, like you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be like freaked out, you know? But when people would see me chuck around five plates, they would like lose their mind. But I'm like, I've been doing this since I was 12. It'd be the same thing if, if I handed you a script and you walked into super training and you just all of a sudden were able to, you know, boom on the spot, completely change. You acted like an ax murderer or something. I'd be like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I, I would be amazed because the face, the facial expressions and the way that you're able to do it and the way that you're able to uh, automatically, instantaneously cue up some evil uh, music in the background yeah. <laughs> and change the lighting just, just by your actions. Um, you know, all that would, all that would, all that would amaze me. And you would just be like, this is just like, you'd be like, that wasn't very good. Even like I was kind of <laughs> shitty. <laughs> I love, I love the idea of like an actor walking around able to manipulate the light and like create a soundtrack for every, everyone he comes into contact. Yeah, come on. Why, great. why not? And like a, a power lifter is just going around like, let me get that car for you, moving cars yeah. and stuff like that, you know? <laughs> it's uh, maybe with the Elon Musk, you know, chip that you can put in your brain, maybe we'll be able to do stuff like that. Yeah, that would be badass, wouldn't it? Um, uh, I, I wanted to ask you about, uh, but I, look, doing something for a long time and being able to lift these insane things and, oh, I know what I wanted to say. You said... Um, to dedicate an hour to a day, you said your buddy, you said to your buddy, you can do an hour to a day. And I think that that is, I think that the ideas that we have about time can certainly be roadblocks to us in, in, in achieving these things. And, right. and, and, but, the, but it's so true. Like if you can watch an hour of TV a day, which I think is pretty mm. easy for people, um, why can't you exercise for an hour, you know, or read a book for an hour or study for an hour or something that is improvement? I don't know that the the news is ever actually helping people. Uh, the news and, and a lot of social media, um, you know, you, you just you have to be very careful with it. Um, what I try to do nowadays, especially, is I try to just share my own experiences with people rather than saying, hey, you can't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that. Um, but people do spend a tremendous amount of time watching television. Um, and even worse, people spend a lot of time watching television while they're on their phone. <laughs> so you're in two different spots, even though you're sitting in the same chair in your house, you know, in front of, in, in front of both devices. And you're being blasted, you know, you're scrolling through people's stuff. And yes, you do see something positive. Somebody saying, hey, what did you train today type of thing? And, you know, here's my nutrition for the day. You're, you're taking in some knowledge that could be very useful to you. But you're also got the news talking about the riots and uh, the coronavirus. And it's just like one bullshit thing after another. The news is talking about like, you know, there could be a war with the election that is coming up and, you know, that's smashing you. And then meanwhile, you're seeing um, things that you don't have being posted by friends that uh, friends or just people that, you know, influencers 
living these beautiful homes and just some unrealistic stuff going on, you know, and I would just, I would really urge people just to be cautious with how much of that they consume, just like your food. I mean, they call it your feed for a reason. You know, this is stuff that you have to digest. You can't unsee it. You can't unhear it. Uh, that's the way the, the mind truly works. If I said a uh, big purple nutsack, you cannot go without <laughs> thinking of a big purple nutsack. It's just, it's just the way it is. So like when you see these images, even though, and even let's just say, let's say that you think it's benign and let's say it's it a really, really attractive person and you're checking their stuff out, but you're, you know, you're, you're already a taken person yourself. You know, you're already with somebody, you already have a significant other. Like, I don't know, just, these are all things to review. These are all things to think about. I think, you know, while the world is being audited, um, due to like a lot of the things that happened with George Floyd, a lot of, uh, uh, things with the police, you know, are being audited. I think all these things are great. I think it's good to question, Hey, yeah, why were we doing things this way? You know, or, or is some of this stuff out of hand? Just, just to flat out question it, whether it is or not, um, is for people to determine on how we can have a, a more civil, uh, lifestyle. But I think for each individual, we can't control what happens with racism. We can't control what happens with COVID-19. Um, all we can do is control ourselves and our own action. And I think it's our duty to really start to evaluate how are we acting? Am I, you know, am I overreacting to the stuff that I'm seeing? Am I getting too, you know, of course it can be emotional, but it doesn't have to be. If you learn that if you learn that everything is open to interpretation, somebody calls me something, somebody says I'm white privileged or whatever it might be, I could shrug it off and say, hey, maybe you're right, you know, and just not even, I could just not even worry about it. Or I could get pissed and try to get into a fight with them. You know, I have the uh, ability to, to intake whatever they say and output whatever I'd want. But I think that people think that what they see and what they hear, the input, I think they automatically think it equals the output. And you can output it whatever way you want. You can think about it and you can say, hey, let me let me run that through my filtering system on what you just said. And if somebody was to say something like, hey, I think you're a white privileged piece of shit, I could say, you know what? I am really privileged. I grew up with two amazing parents. I grew up in an upper middle class home. And if you think that's white privilege and you have an issue with it, then there's, there's, not, there's nothing I can do about it other than to continue to try to make myself a better person, try to be compassionate towards others, try to, and these are all things that I, you know, already try to examine and look into. But again, I think as the world is being audited and a lot of our methods and a lot of our statues and different things, I think, I think that inside yourself, you should be taking down some statues. You should be taking down some old principles that maybe don't make sense anymore. And I also think that it's possible that you don't have anything like that in your past. Like you could be a pure person. You could uh, have come to some of these uh, uh, resolutions on your own. But I think if we're being honest, most of us have um, not necessarily racism, but we just have uh, irrational 
thought processes and we have irrational things that we do and we have irrational things that have been passed on from one generation to another where we're not really truly thinking anymore. We're just reacting. And so, you know, I would, I would just really encourage people to really, really consider how much time they're spending uh, on these devices and also what is it helping any is it helpful are you finding it to be helpful or is it more damaging is it making you feel like crap and the good challenge is just to hop off of social media for a week and just just see what it does like delete the app you know get rid of it like honestly just get just see how you feel and i know for myself i don't have social media on my phone anymore it's been really really helpful for me even though I shouldn't care about somebody making comments about me. I shouldn't care about this or that. I do. I do care. I do care. You know, maybe other people have a way of, of not caring at all about what someone says. Um, but, it, you know, it, it can bug you when somebody says something where you're like, that's just not true. Like, what the, like, what is the, what is that about? Like, that's just, and when, when you see that time and time again, sometimes it can, it can start to frustrate you. Another thing that can happen too is due to the likes and due to the comments, it can also shape what you put out there in the world. And I was, you know, I never really hopped on social media for any of that. I was just trying to share stuff with people. I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. This is kind of funny. I'm going to share this with people. And then somebody might be massively offended. It's like, well, I didn't get into any of this to try to hurt anybody's feelings. Like that's the last thing I want to do. And so the misinterpretation of even what you put out is uh, is very dangerous. I still have all my social media going, but I just I have my team run it, and they they see the stuff that I uh, have in my iCloud, and they uh, they they put stuff up with a with a spin and a message on it. And so for me, it's been helpful. So maybe for some of your listeners, maybe uh, distancing themselves, having some uh, social social media distancing uh, might be a wise choice for a little while. Guys like you are, for me personally, and I can't say this, uh, this is a universal truth. This is just my truth, are super net positive on social media. Like, for instance, during quarantine, I'm on there, you know, a little bit worried about the state of viral mm-hmm. infection out there and, and in my house and 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 trying to get my workouts in. And then I look at what you're doing and you're out on a hill getting vitamin D running. Right, right. And I and for me, that was like, oh, fucking I'm going to do that because I know I'll feel better if I do that. So then, you know, I live near hills. There's hills in California, in Los Angeles. I And then I went out and ran around on the hill and felt better. So I find you to be super, super positive and motivational. And I think to to your point. I think that we should examine everything, but the, 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 there's certain things I see on social media that are inspirational, and there's certain things that are just upsetting. And I'm not saying that the world can't be an upsetting place. It can. There's lots of upsetting stuff out there. But I think that the the stuff that I gravitate to more or I want to gravitate to more will give um, – a constructive idea on how to deal with the upsetting thing versus just trying to smash your face in the pile of shit that's out there in life. You know what I mean? It's it's so difficult to uh, 
could try to work your way through it all, you know, like, um, like there's a, a Black Lives Matter movement. And it seems to me, it seems wonderful in a lot of ways. Um, it, it seems to be like, hey, let's draw attention because for some reason the cops can't stop killing black people. I don't know what the what the deal is. I don't know how it started or uh, I don't know how we ended up in this shitty situation. But I think I think 99.9% of the people uh, – other than people who are just maybe flat out racist, I think everyone can agree what happened to George Floyd was disgusting. The, one of the issues is that there is not a single thing that can be done about what happened to George Floyd, in my opinion. like Just like we have mass murderers or just like we had the shooting in Las Vegas a few years ago where the guy opened up on like 30 or 40 people with a semi-automatic weapon, to me it's as irrational as that. And because it's irrational and because it doesn't make any sense with what that guy did, we're going to have some humans that act that way sometimes. And I'm not saying you put your hands up and don't do anything about it, but uh, I think it is something to examine. But I was just going to say, you know, you look at something like Black Lives Matter. Now there's there's people that when one person says Black Lives Matter, another person flips out about it and they get mad about it. And it's like, well, look, man. Okay, let's just say that you are cautious and you don't want to be for it because you don't know what it really means. Well, then shut up about it for a minute. And why don't you learn a little bit more about it before you go and say something obnoxious, before you go and offend somebody? Why don't you say, no, I'm going to look that up a little bit more. I want to find out more. I want to find out when that started. I want to learn a little bit more about it. But then what you'll see is you'll see, see people who are trying to get some confirmation bias and they'll post, um, they'll post some sort of violence and they'll, and they'll uh, associate it to Black Lives Matter. And they'll be like, hey, look, look what these people are doing to the city. And you're like, God damn, like they don't even have any proof that those are people in the movement. And I, and I understand that even with what I'm saying right now, there's people who are ducking down and kind of cringing. And they're like, why is he even mentioning any of this? Uh, I'm mentioning this because this is the this stuff is really, really important. And I want people to be able to work their way through these things and understand that on both sides, whether it's the police department or whether, you know, the police department or uh, the news is going to try to, you know, put some positive spins on stuff here and there. They're going to try to also amplify the negative um, as, as much as they possibly can. And what I'm trying to get at right here is I think it would be best for a lot of us that the biggest protest that you can make right now is to stop watching the news. I, I, I think 100% get rid of the news, period. Get, get rid of the news that's on television. Now, people can hate Donald Trump as much as they want, but he gave us one of the greatest gifts of all time, and that's to teach us that the news is fake. <laughs> I think, I think it really, truly is, and he might be part of that as well. I'm, I'm not, I'm open to, to understanding that as well. Um, and the other thing is really just, just as Ethan was pointing out, man, just really examine like what is in your feed. You know, maybe, maybe there's stuff in your feed that's that's working out well for you. Maybe you. Maybe you find it motivating to have people that are in shape uh, in your feed. They're talking about their food and, and that 
does get you excited for the day. I don't think you should feel bad about following along with any of that stuff. But just to the hateful stuff, I mean, I got off of Facebook years ago just because I saw so much violence on there. I was like, I, I don't, am I getting old or like, what's the deal? What's the deal? But I can't see a 70 year old person getting, I don't know if you've ever seen videos like that, but they're disgusting where some seven year old person is walking down the street and they get beat up. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I mean, I think at the end of the day, like knowing that that happens, I, I, I'm not saying we want to live in, in ignorance, but there's a, a presentation where, you can get inspired to handle things that, uh, you know, are repugnant or you can come away from it just feeling awful. And I don't know what feeling awful does for anyone, you know, at the end of the day, how do we, you know, I didn't, this is also just my perspective. I didn't feeling awful. I think is addicting. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the trouble. And, and you don't, I, I, I made a change for myself because I was inspired. Now I, there was a mixture of two things. I experienced something I didn't like, and I was inspired by another. So it was equal parts, but I do find, and I think you're, you're, you're kind of spot on with this. If I watch the news, I never feel good. I only feel bad. It's, it's only going to scare or upset me. And I, Quite often when I look on social media, I feel the same way. I come off of it going like the fucking world is on fire and there's nothing really constructive to be done about it. But then there are the gems where I see what you're doing and you have inspired me to do something that makes me better. And so I, you know, I think it is, I think you got to curate your what the kind of information you're taking in because it is possible just to go down a road of hopelessness and darkness and you know a bleak outlook and it is possible to get riled up and inspired to do things better and i think what you're talking about where where we're doing some examination if you have some negative emotional reaction to three words you should really sit down and examine and try to assume other points of view and go, how can this be true? Do you know what I mean? Like if I'm having an immediate reaction to something is bad, something is wrong. The first thing I'm going to do is try to figure out how it's not wrong, how it's not bad, because I don't always trust my uh, immediate emotional responses. They're not logical. They're emotional. I love that. I think that that's great. That That is, and I think people need to examine that throughout every little part of their life. I, I think uh, we may have had, we might have the misinterpretation or at least the way I see it is I think a lot of us have a misinterpretation. I'm, I'm guilty of all these things. And that's, this is why I bring them up is I I'm guilty of, uh, overreacting at times to, to situations, especially having children. <laughs> I mean, you know, you have children and they make a mess or something happens, but you just learn over time. It, it doesn't really, it, it doesn't make sense to the child to flip out over the fact that they melted a popsicle all over the rug or whatever. It makes more sense to the child to say, Hey, you know, when you have a popsicle, uh, 
you, you need it, it would be best if you sat down at the table and maybe had a bowl in front of you because you're only five, you know, and it's probably going to, you know, hey, stay at the table, stay with the bowl type of thing. And, and you got to like really explain stuff sometimes to people. But uh, responding and, and getting yourself uh, all worked up, I think, I think there's a misinterpretation that uh, every single thing that we take in can be interpreted. It doesn't matter how good or how bad a situation is. Uh, we have the ability to interpret stuff uh, whatever way we'd like. And one thing I want to mention here too is when you stop watching the news, which which I've started doing a, a couple weeks back, when you stop watching the news and you distance yourself from some of these things, you start to recognize we are not that far off. You know, the news wants to make it seem like just complete mayhem out there. They want to make it seem like things are so grotesque and things are so off. We are not far off. I've had police officers on my podcast. I've had epidemiologists on my podcast. We've tackled a lot of the issues with racism. We tackled a lot of the issues with uh, law enforcement. We tackled a lot of the issues on COVID-19. And I think that 2020 is going to be a pivot year. You know, I had a, I've had a, a handful of pivots in my life where I pivoted off and ended up better off than I've ever been before in my life. And I think 2020 is going to be a year like that. Yes, there are some things that we're going through um, that are different, that are tough, right? But these things that we're going through, Resistance always makes you stronger. Resistance always makes you stronger. I mean, we know that for sure simply by just being in the gym. And I think that this year there just might be a little bit extra resistance going on. And in the end, uh, we will be stronger. We will be better off for it. I think COVID-19 at some point will pass. I know that that people have been you know, critical of, of saying like, oh, there's going to be more waves of it and, and things of that nature. But again, I think just understanding the facts of the coronavirus, understanding the facts of the different issues that police officers are faced with and understanding the facts about racism. I mean, you want to dive into racism and really learn about it. Learn from a guy like Daryl Davis. I had Daryl Davis on my podcast he was absolutely amazing. He is a guy that was not even trying to convert KKK members to to turn in their um, to turn in their uniforms and stuff like that. But that was the result of it. This is an African or this is a black man that went into the KKK and and communicated with KKK members because he was like, if I'm going to understand racism, who better to learn it from than these guys? And when he went and communicated with them, he said. He said, what's your issue? You know, what, what's, why don't you like black people? And they would say, well, because they're dumb or because of A, because of B, because of C. And he said, well, what else? And they would, you know, continue, continue onward. They do this, they do that. And then Daryl would say, okay, I grew up in this neighborhood. I graduated from this high school. When I graduated from that high school, I went to this college. While I was at that college, I also had a job. When I finished and I graduated college and I got a degree, I went into music and I went around the country. I toured the country playing music in all these different bars where there's white, black, 
Mexican. And he just kind of, he took, he took away all the excuses. And I think that we can do that whenever we have a rational thought, we can take all that shit away and we can throw it in the garbage when we replace our feelings with some facts. You start to stack up the facts and you start to, I, I've done this to myself a bunch of times with uh, nutrition. Me too. You know, I've been a, I've been a huge, huge uh, proponent of a ketogenic style diet. And then I, you know, have kind of got myself more in the middle where I'm like, you know what, if I'm really being honest, a lot of the facts and a lot of the research about calories in calories out, even though I don't necessarily, I don't like that as a pitch to just say to somebody and then to leave and to say that you're, uh, you eat way too much and you don't move around enough. Like I, I don't, I don't love that message, but there, there's actual some, there's some, there is some truth to it. Um, I would love to explain stuff to people a little bit in a little bit more detail than that. But I, I have someone that has, even though I don't necessarily agree with the way the message maybe is delivered, I am uh, knowledgeable enough to understand that that is part of the facts and to take those facts and to say, man, but I really love the keto diet. Can't we find more facts about the keto diet or can't we find more facts about uh, low carb living to, uh, to really strengthen my, my bias, you know, to, towards it. It is, it is a way of eating for me. It's a way of, it's a way that I like to share to other people. But look, man, if I'm just being totally honest, there are thousands upon thousands of different nutrition plans that you can follow to lose weight, to be successful with losing weight and to feel absolutely amazing. And for me to uh, say anything else is just complete ignorance and it would just be a complete uh, bias. And again, so try to replace some of the thoughts that you have with you know, stop just thinking about stuff and, and try to pile up some facts and, and then see where you end up from there. Well, yeah. And I think what you're saying is super valuable, too, because I, look, a fact has no value. It's simply what is and whatever value is placed on it only exists within us and people who agree with us. So the way we prioritize facts is always going to be subjective, always. So the need for keto to be the best, it's the best if it's the best for you. Therefore, right. it's the best. Within keto, unless you have some crazy hormonal thing that, that would move you out of the statistical norms, within keto, if you want to lose weight, you've got to eat in a caloric deficit. That doesn't mean keto is not the best if it's the best for you. So I think there's all these things. You can get stats on anything and prioritize them. We need to recognize that that's a personal thing. That isn't a universal thing. Those truths can be true for us. We don't have to insist that they're true for everyone. Yeah, like, I, for example, I'm a huge football fan. But my favorite team is the Jets. <laughs> Whoa! Are, are the are the Jets a good football team? Like, you know, from from a statistical standpoint, they're not very good. They 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 did go to one Super Bowl. They did win one, but that was uh, the same year that we put a, we put a man on the moon. Right. You know, but like it's the best team for me. Like that's the team I associate with. That's the team that I feel best about. And I don't I don't mind being on the uh, the roller coaster. 
you know, with them. And I think when it comes to your, when it comes to your diet, when it comes to your nutrition, obviously you don't want to have as many losses as the Jets do, but, (laughs) but it is important that it, that it fits, it needs to fit into, um, you know, if you're trying to, if you're trying to do a diet that is like a bodybuilding style diet and you have children, um, and you're a teacher, like it's just, it's not that you can't do it, but the six meals a day, the, you know, correct serving of protein, carbs, and fat every meal, the dedication to the lifting, the dedication to the cardio, trying to live a bodybuilding lifestyle while meshing it in with having children and being a teacher, the difficulty level just becomes really, really high. And so therefore, you may try that style of diet, you may try that style of training, and you might put your hands up and say, that doesn't work. And it's not really necessarily true that it doesn't work. It's just that you have a lot of different things in your life that it was very difficult for you to make it work for your schedule. Now, could you take a different style of principle? Could you maybe even try a bodybuilding diet? But what if you utilized some intermittent fasting? And what if you had a little bit of freedom on the weekend with your food and you kind of looked at it from a overall caloric standpoint for the week? Maybe you tried a little bit of carb cycling or something like that as well, where you had some days where you ate a little bit less carbohydrate. Could you make all that work? Oh, certainly. That would be way, way easier because you just have less meals to mess up. And that's one of the things I personally really like about intermittent fasting is that it's so easy for us to mess up our food. There's so many, there's a lot of convenient foods that are at our fingertips that are healthy. We're at a place now where there's more of that than ever, but the bad foods, quote unquote, bad foods are going to win because they just taste so damn good. Doritos and potato chips and uh, just, just overeating in general, getting an abundance of calories. It just feels good. I mean, you can make a turkey sandwich, but like, what's a way to make a turkey sandwich taste better? Mayo. Bacon. Yeah. 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 Right. Cheese. Right. And now, and now we just all the, out of nowhere, we just made a sandwich off. We just made it um, completely off the plan now. And it's the same, but it was the same thing. We didn't really change too much about it. We just, we added some stuff to it, but it it all of a sudden became quote unquote bad because now it's going to be easy to suck down 700, 800 calories you know, from a sandwich, we do the same thing with a salad. You know, a salad is great. You get all these vegetables, uh, vegetables fill up the stomach a little bit. They can help us make, you know, help keep us full. They have fiber. There's a lot of uh, just nutrients in there in general. And then we grab a thing of like Caesar dressing or ranch dressing, <laughs> dump that bad boy on there. And it's like, uh, I'm not sure if you measured that out, but that's 40 grams of fat <laughs> right. and it's, and it's vegetable oil, which is, you know, starting to, they're starting to stack some facts up showing that vegetable oil might be just as bad as sugar in some ways. Right. I'm not sure how much I believe that story just yet, but it's not looking very good for vegetable oil. And it, it's just, we have to be, we just have to be a little cautious with how we dose everything in this world, whether it's our ranch dressing, Caesar dressing, or whether it's our uh, Instagram scrolling. I could not agree more, man. I was fired up listening to you talk about your friend 
you know, competing in four different weight categories in a year at powerlifting. And I was like, I can't wait to lift. We got to get you on a platform. That would be amazing. I am so uh, hesitant to lift heavy, mostly because I work out on my own. So I'm just never, and I, I, I am on like basically a bodybuilding kind of hypertrophy kind of routine right now. So I'm just doing sets of 12 to 15. It would be fun though, because you know, you can kind of, um, you can kind of treat it like a little bit like a, uh, like a turkey trot or like a 5k run where it's like, you're not, you're not really, you know, trying to be first necessarily. You're just, you're just kind of running in the race. And I think to just get yourself, to get yourself on the scoreboard would be cool because we could say, all right, well, you did that one contest and you lifted a, B and C, you know, in that, in that contest. And then maybe another two years from then you, you give it another go, but I think you would be empowered. I think you would be empowered by just the, not so much the weights, but just the environment, like the power of the thing meets are really, really cool. Especially when you're new, like if you've been doing it for four or five years, no one's going to care about you anymore. But if you're, if you're new to it, uh, everyone's super excited. So maybe, Maybe if we have a contest up this way in uh, in the Sacramento area, uh, we'll, we'll get you to at least hit up at least hit up like a bench, a bench or a deadlift is squatting is is, is a whole other ballgame. But a bench and maybe a deadlift uh, might be a good place to start. I would definitely try the bench. Um, I you know listen, why don't we do this? Because I've I've been waiting to come and see you for everything to be open and life to be normal, and we kind of had this like stutter step. Right. And uh, and I also get kind of passed by you when I take one of my kid to school who goes to school out of town. Um, But like, why don't we say like sometime in early September or something, if we're kind of back to normal, even if it's not a meet, I'll come up and do like a proper powerlifting workout with you just so I know what it is, because I've never done that. That'd be great. Any idea what you could bench press? Do you have any clue? I mean, when I was when I was a lot heavier, I bench pressed four hundred five a couple times, but I don't think I could do that now. I do. I can throw up three fifteen really easily for 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 that's reps. Great. Yeah, but yeah, I don't. That's great. I, I don't know. You, you know, when when I hear about guys throwing around five plates, I'm like, Oof, that's way <laughs> outclasses me. Yeah, it's it's like I said, it's fun and it's um. You know, trying to to trying to like uh, make yourself, or almost, I guess you'd say, like force yourself to be stronger is it's it's kind of a weird thing. Like when you go in the gym and you lift and you you move around some weights and you're like, oh yeah, I'm a little stronger than last time because I snuck in like an extra rep. Um, you know, that is a sign that you're getting stronger. Maybe you're in better condition. Maybe you can have less rest between sets. But to actually be able to lift like five more pounds is pretty wild. And it's actually, it's actually like really, really hard. I mean, imagine, you know, anyone who's really, really intelligent, they don't sit down and say like, okay, I'm going to work on getting smarter. Right. You know, because the second that you do that, it's like, well, okay, what are my measures for being smarter? And if you had a measure to try to be smarter um, and you tried to improve it like week in and week out, it would just be really hard. Or even same thing with like your body fat levels. You know, if you were really trying to, in, you know, have your body fat be better every single week, it, it's it's a real damn chore to try to like make yourself 
<laughs> to try to make yourself stronger is a real pain in the ass. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm excited. I can't wait to come up and train with you. This has been such an such an exhilarating conversation and inspiring. I'm I'm both fired up to live today and fired up to weed out some negativity from social media. I love it. Um, Mark, thank you so much. As always, it was a, an extreme pleasure, and I can't wait to uh, to see you up on your turf. Thank you so much. And if anybody wants to follow along with some of the workouts I'm doing, you know, we, we spent a lot of time. We put a lot of effort into markbell.com. So you can go and check that out. You can work out right along with me. Um, you can see if it's your speed. You can see if you like it. You'll be able to try it out for a week for free. And uh, if you hate it, you can unsubscribe to it. But uh, I think you'll enjoy it. I think you'll find a lot of great, uh, not only great information, it talks about this, this type of nutrition plan that I'm on at the moment. It also has some older nutrition plans. In addition to that, it shows how I work out currently and also uh, has some information on some of the old school power thing workouts that I do. So I think that some of you guys might find that useful. So you might want to check it out. Markbell.com. Markbell.com. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things I love about you is it's not like this rigid dogmatic thing. You're trying new stuff and you, and yeah. you know how to be successful. All the time. And you mentioned something really important earlier on in the podcast. Um, there's when you do something for time and you do something in a time domain, um, it really changes stuff, you know. And so anybody that's listening to this uh, has been stutter stepping for too long with their nutrition and just hasn't made the commitment. Just I would just like you just to. You know, if you haven't tried that diet that you've been thinking about for a long time, just tell yourself you're going to try it for like two days, you know, just or or one day. Just try it for one day or see what it feels like to, uh, you know, have a couple of meals that have less carbohydrates in it or, or whatever it might be that you're aiming for. But I did this the other day. I had a a, a, a couple of brutal workouts uh, more recently and I just didn't feel like doing anything. And I was, I was walking and I, I was walking on the beach and it was beautiful outside. So that, I think that encouraged me a little bit too, but I just said to myself, you know what, you know, don't be lazy. You, you can, I was walking really slow and I was kind of like, ah, my ankles kind of hurt. My knee kind of hurts. And I was just being a little, I was being a little wimp. And so I said, you know what, let's just make a compromise here. I bet you that you could run for 10 seconds. And so I would run at 10 second intervals just a, just a decent like run slash jog. And I'd walk in between and I'd walk for about 20, 30 seconds. I wasn't really meticulously counting that part of it, but I was just kind of waiting till I got my breath back. And then I ran again, ended up going for four miles, you know, and it, it just shows you the power of, you know, having a time domain attached to it. And I don't suggest, you know, somebody that hasn't run, in a very long time to just out of nowhere, go running. Um, I would say, you know, jog, you know, work on some walking for a while if you're not fit and then, and then progress at some other point into some running. But where I started with my running, cause I'm still 240 plus is, uh, I, I started out with walking. I've been walking for the last five or six years. And I just, at one point felt good enough to start running. But when you encourage yourself to, you know, maybe there's, Maybe there's markers in your neighborhood. Maybe there's houses 
maybe there's uh, street signs or maybe there's just different things where you can say, you know, what? I'm going to make it a goal. I would love to be able to run from that to that. This is the silly stuff that I do. And I have times I have it. I have them like written down. I have like PRs and I get just as excited to, to uh, do some of these runs and to, uh, you know, break previous records uh, as I did, you know, lifting, you know, lifting the big weights over the years. What's amazing for me on this stuff is that this is all new to me. I suck at all of it. So uh, getting better at it is actually fairly easy since I'm just, I'm not very good. So anyway, give that a try. You know, next time you're on a, next time you're on a walk, you know, try to encourage yourself to either pick up the pace for 10 seconds or, or give it a little bit of a jog for 10 seconds and just go back and forth between walking and jogging. And I think you'll find that you're going to be able to do way, way more than you ever anticipated. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Very powerful stuff. Thank you, my man. Mark, thank you so much. I can't wait to see you next. I know. It'd be great have you at Super Training once again. Yes, sir. Doing some power lifting this time. Indeed. All right, brother. Talk to you soon. All right. Have a great rest of your day. You too. And now I will answer questions that we received at AmericanGlutton.net. This question comes from Ryan. He writes, I'm curious about the variety of clothes you went through on your weight loss journey and when you finally felt you looked good in clothes. Thanks for the question, Ryan. I still don't really feel that I look great. Um, I, I will say that uh, if I spend some time taking a picture of myself, I can occasionally be happy with a picture of myself and think that the clothes look as though they fit me properly. But... That's not uh, that's not the rule. Those are that's the exception to the rule. Mostly, I don't think I look great in photographs, and I never have. As far as clothes go, you know, I, I, you know, as far as like the extra large clothes go, it's so. I've heard women talk about how their dress sizes are not uniform, and and like a, a size whatever could be different from brand to brand. And I feel like that's the same with the the extra large clothes. So like you get a extra large from one company could be like a normal large from another company. And so, I, I mean, I've been all over the place with clothes. I still don't feel that I could probably walk into a normal department store and necessarily shop. I'm still a very big guy. I don't know. I do most of my shopping online, and when stuff doesn't fit me, I send it back. I'm not comfortable trying on clothes in front of people, and it's often been uh, a part of my job. Wardrobe fittings have been have been this kind of thing that makes me very uncomfortable too. These are these are all just aesthetics things, you know. As a kid, there was like one big and tall clothing store on Fairfax near Santa Monica that my mom would take me to. That's where I shopped. I didn't, I didn't get to go anywhere else, uh, or, or have access to any other clothing really. And, uh, you know, I wore a lot of Dickies pants because they made, they had a big line of, uh, big and tall. But I think nowadays you can generally find stuff in larger sizes. I don't feel that I am, uh, kind of cut out of the market. Uh, and even when I was heavier, I could find generally find clothes that fit me. I think there are a, a, a lot more options today than there were certainly 20 or 30 years ago. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a tough question to answer because I feel like I should be comfortable and confident in my clothes. And, and I'm, I don't think I am really. Um, that's just uh, my reality. 
But I appreciate the question, Ryan. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the podcast, please submit it to AmericanGlutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee, and as always, joined by my chaperone, Paige Dorian. Follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.